Welcome to everyone this morning. If you're a guest today, thank you for being here. So glad to have you in service with us today. If you're watching us online, we pray that you are blessed by this service today as well, wherever you may be. In Jesus' name, praise God. I mentioned uh, as I was referring to the breakfast uh, meeting after service, part of the reason for saying as soon as possible, uh, and also uh, for the rest of you, uh, I will. Uh, depending exactly how things go over the next little while, uh, I may be, uh, once I'm done preaching, very quickly slipping out of here. Uh, my presence is expected outside so that I can get wet by, um, actually, I've, the rumor I've heard is not by the kids, but by the staff. Is So I'm not sure what's up with that, so... But So I ask you if you please be understanding of me today if I do make a quick exit uh, from the platform so I can get outside and have a little fun with some of your children and I guess the Sunday school staff <laughs> um, as well. So that's also why I said we will start as quickly as we can uh, the meeting about the breakfasts on Sunday morning. So, uh, But again, also I... Uh, especially request that you would just please be understanding of me quickly slipping out of here at the end of uh, the service. This is the last time they're doing it for the summer, so uh, I've committed to try to be a part of that. <laughs> for better or worse, we will see. Amen. Psalm 73. Psalm 73. And before I start to read this passage as the starting point of message this morning. I, I just, I, I have for years, I don't remember the first time that I really discovered Psalm 73, but it's been a long time. And I have to tell you, I believe every believer needs to be very acquainted with Psalm 73. Because in my opinion, the psalmist expresses something that every Christian deals with. And I don't think it's just a one-time thing. I think it's every now and then it's something you go through. And so I, I just that's I just want to throw that out there this morning. Also, Brother George, it's great to see you and your family today. Brother George and his family from uh, Zambia. We met my wife and I got to meet them a couple of years ago. Just a couple, <laughs> like mid-90s, but just a couple of years ago. Uh, when we were there, great family and got some children that go into college in the States and it's great to see them. Psalm 73, starting with verse number one. If you'll bear with me and read several verses of this chapter. Truly, God is good to Israel. In the context of 2016, we could say it like this. Truly, God is good to the church. Even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, somebody say me. Notice what he says. God is good. But as for me, my feet were almost gone and my steps 
had well nigh slipped. Here's part of the reason why for the psalmist. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, and violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out of to them. And they say, How doth God know, and is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in, they increase in riches. Isn't God aware of what's going on? Isn't God aware of how all of these people are living? And yet it seems like life just keeps going well and even getting better for them. Listen, listen now what he says. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. What he's saying is, paraphrased, I've tried to do everything right. I've tried to live right. I've tried to be right. I've tried to do right. And what has it gotten me? It's all been in vain. He's also saying I'm well aware that While I'm thinking this, I probably should refrain from saying it. Verse 16. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. When I got to thinking about all of this, it was really too much. He already said in the beginning, my feet had almost slipped. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until, 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 until what? Until God started punishing the wicked? Until God started righting all the wrongs? No, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Really what that's talking about is when I got in God's presence. Not talking about a physical building. It's not talking about a structure. He's talking about the presence of God. When I got in the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. I stopped looking at what was going on now and I started looking at the end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. I want to preach to you for a little bit this morning on this subject, heaven's point of view. Heaven's 
point of view. Father, thank you for the privilege of joining together to get today with fellow believers, those that are hungry and searching and seeking for you, God. I pray, God, that you would continue to minister this morning. I believe, God, that in our prayer and in our worship, you have already begun to minister. But now, I pray that through your word, you would continue that. That you would speak, God. That you would speak a clear word to somebody's heart today. That somebody would hear something from you. God, not a sermon that comes from a man, but a message, a word that comes from you. I trust you for your anointing this morning, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I, I got to looking at what was going on around me. I got to looking at life. I got to looking at the circumstances of life. And I realized the context of what the psalmist is saying here. It's about looking at others, but let's just take it a another step this morning. I got to, I got to looking around at my life. I got to looking around at the circumstances and situations of my life and it was, it was just becoming too much for me. It was getting to be too much to bear. It was, it was getting to be overwhelming. He said my, my steps had almost slipped. My, my, I almost was losing, I was about to lose my footing. I just was getting way too overwhelmed with all that was going on around me. And he also says it, it really seemed like the things that I was doing, the, the right things that I was doing really wasn't producing or uh, providing any real good. I, I, I look at the wicked and the ungodly and it seems like life goes great for them. And here I am trying to be holy and upright and walk before you, God, and my world is a mess. Things are a wreck in my life and I just can't quite handle it. I'm about to give up. I'm about to quit. But he says, I, I got into the sanctuary. I got into the presence of God. I got in. I had an encounter with the Spirit of God. I, I want you to notice something here as the solution to the psalmist problem. The solution was not that any circumstance in his life changed. Everything he said was the problem remained the same. Every issue that he had addressed continued to be the same issue. But he says, when I got in the sanctuary... Everything that was overwhelming me and everything that was weighing me down, it all changed and it changed because of one thing. My perspective changed. My point of view changed. Whether you're a guest this morning or you come here all the time, I believe I've come with a message for some folks this morning. 
See, I think we get into this rut of feeling like the only way life can change and the only way my life can get better is for my circumstances to change. And I know it's not the answer flesh wants to hear today, but I've come to tell some folks circumstances may not change, but that doesn't mean you can't change. If you could just get a different point of view and start to see some things a little bit different. All of the overwhelming feelings that were plaguing you that you thought were the issue suddenly begin to fade away when you get in his presence and you start to see some things clearly. The context of what the psalmist was saying was, I, I looked at everything that was going on now, but then what I got a glimpse of was the end. Because it's really most about the end. That's what matters the most. The end. I know we live for the now, and we live for life to be enjoyable and pleasurable for the now. But the problem is it's the end that matters the most. I've used this many times in the past. I'll use it again today, probably in the future. But especially when it comes to to March Madness, which is the NCAA basketball tournament that takes place at the end of their season, takes place in March 68 teams, I think it is now. It used to be 64, 68 teams now that get a chance to play. And it's broken up into four brackets. And in each bracket, there's 16 teams. And so you have a number one seed all the way down to number 16. And the way it starts off is the one-seeded team plays the 16th-seeded team. And the second plays the 15 and so on. And there, there has never in the history of the tournament been a number one seed that is lost. There have been some number twos that have lost, but never a number one. But you know what there has been? There's been a lot of times where in the course of a game, the number 16 team was winning. There have actually even been a few times where it was an upset in the making. I don't mean winning because they made the first points of the game. I mean they're getting down to the end of the game and the number 16 team is winning. But by the end of the game, whether it's the last second shot, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's a last second shot that causes them to win the game. The only thing that matters is who won doesn't matter that number 16 team was winning during the game. Who cares? Because when, when just a matter of hours, nobody's going to be celebrating the almost upset. They celebrate who won. We get so caught up in life with where we are right now, and right now is not the ultimate issue. The end is the issue. That's part of the reason I think Paul said, we don't look at things which are seen. We look at things which are not seen. We are not living our life based on the circumstances that are in our world right now. We are not living our life based on those tangible things around us. But we have connected to something that is unseen. We have connected to something that is beyond what I can recognize with my natural eye. And he said, this is the reason why. Because everything that is seen is temporal. 
but there are some things that are not seen that are eternal. And what I want to be most influenced by in my life is not the temporal things that I see that change from one day to the next or one year to the next, but I want to be connected to those things that are unseen because those are the things that matter the most and those are the things that last. There is so much that changes in our world. I, I, I know this is really, for some of you, probably just completely irrelevant, but it's the example that pops into mind, so permit me for a moment. <laughs> Brother Isaac, I, I guess I shouldn't say I swore because I, I, I don't know that I ever really was that serious. I don't mean it that frivolous, but I, I, I stated pretty adamantly you'll never see me in a pair of flat front pants with no pleats and i've got pleated pants on today never because man when i was teenager and early 20s man oh my i have now transitioned most of my dress pants out from pleated baggy to flat front And I said I never would. I said I, when all these bow ties started coming around, I said I'd never wear a bow tie. Not me. Of course, the first time I put one on and the look that I saw in my wife's eye, I was about ready to get rid of all my ties and buy all bow ties. I'm just, I, know it's, I know some of you, you could care less about style and clothes and Bless you. Some of us are a little more vain, so bear with us. But I, I'm just telling you, I just, things change. Because you know what? Styles change. And we try to hold out my, I, I, t- I, I wish, I think some of you parents can realize, I wish I'd have boxed up my ties 30 years ago. All this money my boys are spending ties on, I could have saved a whole lot of money. Those knit, squared off ties, I had all those. Temporal changes. Temporal things change. And I'm using some really frivolous examples. Because I don't want to get too close to home with some of you. You fill in the blanks for the other things that come to your mind about temporal things that change. So Paul says we don't live on what we can see because if we live on what we see that becomes a very unstable life circumstances around us even family dynamics and family relationships some of you would acknowledge today some of you would say the dynamics of your family are not what you anticipated them to be and if you begin to get overwhelmed by what you see you're going to be like the psalmist and your feet are going to slip if you don't get in the sanctuary presence of God. And so we're not looking at what we see. We look at things which are not seen. And I realize to the carnal mind, that sounds really crazy. But to the spiritual mind, there is a connection that comes when I realize there's something beyond this natural temporal dimension. Not only a spiritual realm that I can connect with now and in this life, but that also gives me hope for what happens after 
this life. So the, the answer, the solution, the thing that caused the psalmist not to totally slip was he saw things differently. They may be winning now. I may look at those around me that are godless and it appears they're winning now, but that's not the end of the story. He said, when I got in the sanctuary, what did he say? I understood what? Their end. I understood they may be winning the game as the 16th seed now, but the game isn't over. And all that happened to change his attitude, all that happened to get his feet reestablished was he started seeing things from heaven's perspective. He got a change of view. That's all that changed. Preach to people today that you have convinced yourself the only way your life is going to change and the only way your life gets any better is for the circumstances of your life to change. And I'm sorry on you. I'm sorry from the standpoint of your flesh today, but That's not necessarily the only answer. And in fact, the easiest solution, as much as you may not want it to be the solution, the easiest solution is to let God change your view. Start to see things a little bit different. He said, verse 18, Thou settest them in slippery places, castest them down into destruction. I tried hard to find it as I was studying for today. I couldn't find it at some point in the past. I've read a translation, one of the translations, that it says that their life is, it's going to be like the rug was pulled out from under them. But for the godly, for those that are pursuing God, for those that, that have continued, even when they were about to slip, that have held on and not let their feet fall and not let their feet slip, their end, their end is a lot different than all of those I'm looking at right now. What matters the most is the end, not the now. The end of the story and how things conclude is what is more important than what is going on right now. Got in the sanctuary. When I got in the sanctuary, I understood their end. Psalm 61 and verse number 1. Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed. When my heart is overwhelmed. I don't know if the donuts are setting in now or what. When my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Why? Because you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. The easy to read version, that sounds really watered down, doesn't it? The easy to read version says it this way, from far away land I call you for help. Anybody ever felt like you were a far land away from God? A far away land? Hello? 
Rest of you are sleeping on me. Anybody ever felt like it was a, God was in another universe than you were? And there was a disconnect, kind of like uh, Abraham said to the rich man, there is a great gulf between you and us. Anybody ever felt like there was a great gulf between you and God? Come on, let me see your hands for that. Keep your hand up for one moment if you would, please. I want everybody to keep your hand up for just a second that's got your hand up. And now I want everybody that's got your hand up to look around for a minute. Serious. I'm serious. I want everybody with your hand up, look around for a minute. Because the devil's got most of us convinced when we feel like this, we're the only one in the world that feels that way. And we're the only one that's ever felt that way. But everybody just about in this room has said, there's been a point in time where it felt like God was a million miles away. And there was a disconnect. And so not only do you and I feel that way, have felt that way, but the soul said, I from a far away land, I call you for help. I don't know about you, but it's not the solution I want, but it helps me a lot of times when I find out what I'm dealing with, what I'm feeling, what I'm going through is I'm not the only one in the world. I've had that happen a lot of times, especially in parenting. I've gotten so frustrated and discouraged with some stuff. And then I get around other parents and hear them talking and I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. Brother, Brother Morgan, most of you know him by now. I've been preaching here for many times since last September, been a year almost. Got four boys. The oldest is late twenties. Youngest is uh, fifteen. The oldest is back living with them. They said the the oldest, who's been married, and the fifteen year old fight like cats and dogs. Part of me is like, oh my, are you? There is no hope. The part of the other part of me is like, Phew. sometimes I'm. My boys, I'm like, can you, can you just not say one kind word to each other? Sitting there the other night at the eating dinner, it was just the four of us. Girls were off. It was like Friday night, the CMI thing. Boys are just yakking up. I'm like, dear, can you guys? And then one of them says to the other one, I'll leave it up to you to just imagine which one it was. One of them just, I love you. I had to do everything I could to, he was sitting right here. To not use a backhand. <laughs> Rather you say nothing than say something smart, Ellie. I get around other parents and they talk. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I, I, I wish it changed. I wish it'd be different. But at least I now know I am not an absolute failure as a father. This is, this is, everybody has felt at some point that God was a million miles away. I feel so weak and helpless. I, I like the way, I like the way that the easy to read version says it because actually the word lead in the Hebrew in the King James means to guide, but by implication it means to transport. So listen to the easy to read version. From far away land, I call for your help. I feel so weak and helpless. Carry me 
to a rock where no one can reach me. Carry me to a rock where no one can reach me. The King James makes it sound as though I, there is a rock that's higher. But dear Lord, when I'm already feeling overwhelmed, how am I going to get to a high place? But really the implication is when I am overwhelmed, the word overwhelmed there means this, to envelop oneself, to cover, to be faint, to grow weak. It means to encircle. So when life and the circumstances of situations of life have encircled me, they have enveloped me, they have wrapped themselves around me, and I am overwhelmed by them. I, I am faint. I am weary. I am weak. In that moment, God, I, I, I can't if you just point to me where to go, that's not going to help right now. I can't get there if I knew where to go. So what I need you to do is reach down to where I am. And out of my circumstances, I need you to lift me to something that is higher than all of my circumstances. Psalmist says many times throughout the Psalms, there's a description that he uses of God that I think is so awesome. He says, you are the most high. When he says you're the most high, that means there's some other stuff that's high. There's some other things that are high. But no matter what's, no matter how high there is, uh, the, the things are that are around me, you are the most high. So whatever it is that's overwhelming me, whatever it is that's weighing me down, you are always above whatever that is. And so when I am overwhelmed, when I am about to slip and fall, God, I need you to reach down to where I am and I need you to pick me up and set me on a high place. I need you, God, just to give me a different viewpoint. I need to see some things the way you see them. If we took a trip out to the Rockies today, I, if you're a guest today and you've never been around here much, you don't know me that well, I will preface by saying I absolutely, with all of my heart, love Maryland. I don't want to live, wouldn't want to live anyplace else in the world. I've had the privilege to travel a number of places, this country and other parts of the world, and this is home. I love this. I don't want to be anywhere else. So get that first when I say this next part. We call Western Maryland mountains. Go out to Western Maryland to the mountains. Going to go for a weekend in the mountains. I prefaced my love for Maryland to now say, Maryland doesn't really have mountains. I know they're called mountains, but, you know, 1,500 feet, that's... If you've ever been, not just seen pictures, but if you've ever been... To the Rockies. There's kind of hard to now call Western Maryland mountains. You stand there and you look up at those mountains that extend way into the heavens. They are so overwhelming. But if you were to get into an airplane, take off and get to 20, 30,000 feet, the same mountain that down here 
looked so overwhelming. From up there, basically looks like a western Maryland mountain. When you rise above what seems so overwhelming, what seems so large, when you rise above it and get a different viewpoint, what you thought was so incredibly overwhelming becomes so small and insignificant. I I still, as a grown adult, married with children, every now and then I find myself when I fly, I look out the window and I see the cars and I think, you know what, I just want to reach down and pick one of them up. They're so cute. That's the same car that if I stood by it and tried to pick it up, I could get it to move a little bit, but I'm not picking it up. All I do is change perspective. I get a different viewpoint. I start to see things from heaven's viewpoint. Can I tell you this morning, there's nothing that you and I are dealing with. There's nothing in this world that from heaven's viewpoint looks as overwhelming to heaven as it looks to us. And that's why it is so critical, whether in a church service when we come together or in your life personally as an individual, that you get yourself into the sanctuary or you get yourself into the presence of God because you can do it here or you can do it all by yourself but God can reach down to where you are and put you on a rock that is higher than you and you can start to see things a whole lot differently Paul Paul says this he that same chapter where he talks about looking at the temporal versus looking at the eternal He says, our light affliction, which is just for a moment, our light affliction. I stand here today before you. I I, I don't know how much you can be. I don't know how you could be any more blessed than I've been in my lifetime. Two parents, two wonderful parents that are still living healthy, great marriage, great father and great mother, taking care of me, still do all kinds of stuff for me at 44 years old that I'm like... I don't know why you're still doing this. I'm a man. I got my own life, but I sure do appreciate it. Because <laughs> with four kids and all the expenses and all that of life, it's, it's nice to have some giving parents, I got to tell you. So now I've made up my mind. I'm going to try to do the same for my kids as my parents did for me. But blessed, very blessed, very blessed. I've been through some stuff. I've been through some problems, some issues. I've had some heartache and pain, but compared to most really doesn't seem to be all that significant. So I want you to notice who is saying that, who said that. Our light affliction. Paul wasn't like me. <laughs> Paul didn't have the life I've had. In fact, one place Paul kind of gave a little bit of resume. I've been through this, been through that. I've had my, my back beaten twice. Been stoned left for dead, imprisoned, shipwrecked, mistreated and betrayed, not by enemies, but by friends. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't mean to be offensive to anybody, but I doubt there's anybody here today that's going through anything worse than Paul went through. Not minimizing what you're going through, but I doubt it's worse. You might be able to argue it's equal, okay, but not worse. But Brother Skip, 
Paul said, all that I've been through is light affliction. See, the problem with some of you today is you're not looking from heaven's point of view. And you don't have light affliction. You've got overwhelming, unbearable affliction. I spent two days in the hospital in February. Two days. Two days. Two days. Two days I was going, quick, get me out of here. I want to be out. I want to get back to my life. I want to... All I needed to do was just take a walk down the hall and look into some rooms. And you know what? Really quick, I thought, you know, I I don't really want to be here, but I tell you what, it, it ain't that bad. Perspective. Viewpoint. I go from looking like this to now looking like this. uh. I don't think I'm fighting the devil this morning. I think I'm fighting some flesh. Yeah, it's not the donut. You're right, Brother Isaac. Because some of you are so caught up in the circumstances of your life and convinced yourself that circumstances have to change, and that's the only way you can ever be happy and content. And I've come, unfortunately, to preach to you this morning, that's not the case. That God has a way of getting you into his presence, and you can start to see things differently. See, I think there is a need for us every now and then to to recalibrate to recalibrate means to you take a, an instrument used for measuring and you've got to make sure that it's accurate you got to if if you if you're trusting your speedometer that it's accurate but it's 5 miles slower than what it should be and you think you're driving five, ten miles over and you're driving ten, fifteen miles over. You, you need to recalibrate. You need to get back to being accurate in your measurement. Because if what you're measuring by is not accurate, all of your results are not accurate. If you're measuring your life, And what you're measuring by is not calibrated. The results you're getting, the analysis you're making is not accurate. And the way that I recalibrate is to get in His presence and let Him affect how I'm seeing and what I'm seeing. In his book, Heart Shift, John Trent retells his conversation with a NASA engineer about tolerances in the trajectories of rockets headed for the moon. The engineer said, be just two degrees off from where you blast off 
and roughly taking into account the time and distance traveled, and you'll miss not only your point of orbital entry, but you'll miss the moon by a measly 11,121 miles. You know what, if I'm going... If I'm going to go to that chair and my direction is two degrees off, I'm still going to get pretty close. But the longer the distance, the farther I go with just being a small amount off, the farther I come from my destination. I preached to some people this morning, yeah, it's just two degrees off. You're only two degrees off. And today and tomorrow and next week and next month, two degrees may not be that much. But when you're talking years and decades of a lifetime and a pursuit for a destination that is a destination you don't want to miss, the two degrees that today seem so small and insignificant are going to set you on a course that you are so going to miss your destination that it's not going to be just a small amount, but it becomes an extremely significant amount. So I challenge some folks here today that it's time for you to recalibrate. It's time for you to let God pick you up from where you are and let you see some things a little bit different. But Brother Wright, he's going to set me back down in the same circumstances. Yeah, but when you get back down in them and your attitude has changed and your outlook has changed and you've started to see things different and think about some things different, you'll be able to walk the path you need to walk no matter what it is that's going on around you, no matter what you're dealing with and facing. Two degrees, two degrees, two degrees, two degrees. The distance to be traveled will cause you to be 11,000 miles off. What's the difference between here and the West Coast? 3,000 miles or so. 3,000 miles, just use it. That's three times. Three times the width of the United States. Oh, Jesus. Three times the width of coast to coast of the United States. What starts off as simply two degrees off course. That is the distance by which... You miss. Oh, Holy Ghost, this isn't really where I thought we were going to end up this morning, but I feel it right now. I preached to some people this morning that you're tolerating two degrees. I preached to some people that two degrees is acceptable in your life and you think it's so small and insignificant that I'm off course. It's not that big of a deal. But the longer you travel and the longer the journey, you're going to be so far from the destination. Because from heaven's point of view, two degrees is a whole lot. I, I, I was in Malaysia several years ago with my dad. And I had the TV on and was flipping through the channels. And I came across a documentary. How many of you ever seen the pictures of the Twin Towers in Kuala Lumpur? 
Some of you have. Kuala Lumpur, they have what's called the Patronas Twin Towers. It's two very tall buildings, and what's partly unique about them is that about the 80th floor, they are connected by a walkway. And I, in the documentary, they said that every single day, every single day of the construction of those towers, not every couple of weeks, not every couple of months, every single day, Brother Whaler, they would come in and they would measure how square those towers were. Because the slightest bit off first, second, third floor becomes extremely significant, 80, 90 floors up. So every single day, you had to step back and get a different viewpoint. You had to evaluate some things, not from your vantage point, but from another viewpoint. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads if you would, please. Jesus' name. Already said it. I'll say it again. I preach to some folks that you come here every week. You're a faithful member. You're a part of this church. But the Holy Ghost is talking to you this morning. There's a need to step back and see some things from heaven's point of view. Not your viewpoint. Not your analysis. Not what you think, not what you feel, not what your conclusion is, but God, get me into your presence and elevate me. I'm overwhelmed, so I need you to lead me to a rock that is higher. I need you to transport me, God. I I need you to reach down and pick me up and set me on a place that is higher than where I am and what I'm in right now. I also preached to some guests today. And actually, if I could tell you it this way, if you're a guest this morning, it is impossible for you to recalibrate. It's impossible for you to start getting on track if you don't at first become filled with the Spirit of God. If the Holy Ghost hasn't filled you, that's the first step in being able to recalibrate and make sure you're on the right track and then to be able to see things from heaven's point of view. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you would acknowledge this morning that the Spirit of the Lord is talking to you today, I wonder if I could ask you just right where you are, you would just stand, eyes closed. If God is speaking to you this morning and you're willing, whether you're a guest or you're a faithful member, that you would acknowledge, I need to, I need to see things. I need to see some things from heaven's viewpoint. I need my perspective on some things to change. I, I've been so caught up in my perspective. I've been so caught up in my viewpoint. And i got to tell you, preacher, I'm getting overwhelmed. It's beginning to be too much for me to bear. And I need God to lift me to that rock that is higher. 
And that even if my circumstances may not change today, if I can at least see things from God's perspective, I'll accept that that's able to help me. I'll accept that that's able to be a part of the process that I need of change and transformation in my life. If I could ask the rest of you, look around for a moment. If there's somebody perhaps nearby you that's standing, if I could ask some of you to join together with them and begin to pray for them. Allow the Spirit of the Lord right now to do for some folks like He did for David. Like the psalmist said, I I got in the sanctuary. When I got in the sanctuary, I started to see things different when I got in his presence everything that was bothering me before none of that changed all of the circumstances that were overwhelming me before continued to be the same circumstances but I got into God's presence I got into his presence and when I got in his presence Just by getting in His presence, my viewpoint changed. My perspective changed. You're here today and you're willing to acknowledge, you know what, Brother Wright, I I think I might be living two degrees off. I might be on a path two degrees off. I might be on a journey right now that's only two degrees off and today right now that seems so insignificant so small what what how much could two degrees off really matter how significant could two degrees in the wrong direction really matter but over time over the course of my journey That two degrees becomes more and more significant. Recalibrate us today. Recalibrate us today, God. Recalibrate us today, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Bring us into alignment today. Transport us, God, to see from your perspective, your vantage point, your viewpoint, God. Lead us today to that rock that is higher. Lead us today, God, to that rock that is higher. Everything I'm in right now, everything I'm dealing with right now, everything... I'm going through right now, God. I need you to transport me to that rock. 